Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Coming up, the final four picture in the Champions League is complete Manchester City. They did it the hard way, really, against Borussia Dortmund, but they have set up a mouth-watering semi-final meet-up between Pochettino and Guardiola. It's PSG and Man City. Elsewhere, it will be Real Madrid who played Chelsea because Liverpool could not break the Spanish side down. They had their chances. They could not convert. Elsewhere, we'll talk about the Europa League coming up and the pressure on Arsenal in particular, as well as a preview of the Premier League, the FA Cup and J-League as well. I'm Richard Bayliss and this is the Match Day edition of the Gagan Pod. Always nice to have you with us, our sports editor Dave Weiner on the pod. Hey Dave. Morning guys, great to be back again. Indeed, Michael Bridges too. Hey Bridgie. Good morning. John Aloisi, how are you? Morning. Um, very good. Thanks, Rich. Yep. If you didn't know, by the way, we're recording this podcast in the morning. And actually, we're recording it after we found out the four teams that will be playing in the Champions League semis. Real Madrid, too good for Liverpool over the two legs. And Manchester City, also too good for Dortmund. Not by much, but they are through over the German side to get into the final four for the first time in a little while. We'll talk about that game in a bit. But let's start, first of all, Bridgie, at Anfield. Far from a classic, so let's not pretend it was. But if you're Real Madrid, you did the job. That's all that matters. They did. They were professional. They had a 2-0 lead coming to Anfield. And what they had to do, Rich, was keep a clean sheet. And the manner in which they did was absolutely superb. The longer the game went on, the more frustrated Liverpool got and the more comfortable Real Madrid looked. But I'll tell you what, the first 15 minutes of the game could have been so much different because of the amount of chances that Liverpool created. And the press was absolutely brilliant. Mo Salah... Have a look at yourself, will you? You should have scored goals. Yeah, we sense that from you in the post-game show, blaming Salah for not taking the chances. And that's the thing, John. It could have been so much different, couldn't it? Because they had the chances at the very start of the game. They came out of the blocks well. We always say that you know an early goal can change the game. They should have had one. They should have had one. And look, Salah will be disappointed, especially with that first one. He hit it. Too straight at Courtois. Courtois made a routine save with his legs. But um, Liverpool wouldn't be too disappointed with the way they were playing. They just weren't ruthless enough in front of goals. And that's what let them down this morning. And then the longer the game went, then you start to see Modric, Cruz, Casemiro come into their own and kill the game off with possession. But also when they had to defend deep, they defended really well. Really impressed with Nacho and Militao in the centre of defence because no one actually spoke about Ramos and Varane missing because those two were superb over the two legs. Dave, what did you prefer, the tactical battle battle between Liverpool and Real Madrid or the tactical battle between John Aloisi and Mark <laughs> Schwarzer on the post-game show? Even then, the little dig, oh, it was a regulation save from Courtois straight at him. Schwarzer saying it's a worldy stop. Well, for the listeners who can't see here, I did notice you have a little chuckle or smirk on your face as you made that comment, John. Dave, I want to ask you the question. You're a goalkeeper. Well, well, Allegedly. Lo- loosely. <laughs> this is now becoming a bit of a myth, to be honest with you, but yes, I'll say yes. You would have saved that. 
with a deck chair. Yes, that's what I thought. I look, <laughs> I, I, I even say that I would have actually saved it, and I'm not a goalkeeper. I, I actually would have held on to that one <laughs> because I probably wouldn't have dived. He was laying down before the ball was shot, so uh, I don't know where Swartzy was coming from, but he has to stick up for the keepers. Yeah, well, he tends to do that. We also saw him in the post-game show yelling out to Thibault Courtois, Thibault, Thibault. <laughs> yeah. I did fold. I did fold. By the way, though, I did. I did. I did. Play along with you him did. in the post-game you show, did. but, you know, all for a laugh. Such <laughs> a groupie, isn't he? Oh, it's amazing. Obviously, Salah had that chance and some others later. So, Bridgie, you're saying that Salah is, you know, partly to blame for what happened this morning in this game. But what about Mane and Firmino and Jota and the others? Because they didn't create anything. The chance that Mo Salah had in the first minute of the game on the penalty spot should have been put away Rich he had a couple of other opportunities in the second half where he dillied and dallied Vinaldo missed an opportunity they are all to blame what I am saying is Salah had the most opportunities in the best positions and in big games in the Champions League you should be taking these and taking your opportunities because I guarantee you next week if he gets the same opportunities I think he's scoring one, two if not three of them chances I, I understand uh, Bridget, you're being harsh on Salah because it, it, he should have taken at least one of those. But uh, I'm with Rich in saying about Firmino, um, Mane. Mane doesn't look the same player. He's not playing with that same energy. He's not scoring goals. And then we haven't got a goal-scoring midfielder. Oh, I say we. I'm not a Liverpool fan, but I'm, I'm talking about Liverpool. They haven't got a goal-scoring midfielder at the moment. Why now, Adam? Disappointedly, this season hasn't scored goals, and and this morning he had that perfect opportunity, and he skied that. Milner so- mentioned in his post game interview, chances were missed, chances were missed. If we missed chances, he just kept saying he's absolutely throwing the front three or the attacking players under the bus mm. because he is absolutely spot on. Liverpool had the chances that didn't take them. We want to give Real Madrid some credit for this one because they won over the two legs, but just. Briefly to finish on Liverpool, mm. Dave. Mm. That's one less avenue for them to make it to next year's Champions League. Now they have to do it through the Premier League by finishing in the top four. If they don't do that, you know, we're talking about them not having a goal-scoring midfielder. They need to go and maybe find one of those. Do they have to also replace one or two members of that front three? Just how much of an yeah. upheaval would it be if this famous old club does not get into the Champions League? Yeah. I mean, we've seen clubs, like even Chelsea, you think back to when Antonio Conte came in. You can miss the Champions League and it's not cataclysmic. But today, I mean, the first Salah chance, I think would have changed the match completely. You can see them with momentum going in and getting a couple. Changed the match, and I just felt in that early exchanges, Klopp rolled the dice and going to his tried and tested, went back to his boys, went back to his side, and it didn't work. And for me, it felt like this might be the end of a chapter. Bridget, can you look up cataclysmic? I did, and Siri, I couldn't spell it right. (laughs) (laughs) Did I say cataclysmic? Yes. It was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it came it's out well. the word well. of the morning. <laughs> came out real well. Word of the day. <laughs> you, you have to remember you're talking to Bridgie and myself. You're really, you really, know, you really lost me there, Dave. I've got to be honest. I've only ever done an interview once where the subject asked me to translate my word and I was speaking English to someone who speaks English. So that's only the second time that's ever happened to me. But, uh, and both times it was Bridgie. <laughs> the Geordie. But um, it did feel to me that that was the closing of a chapter. Even if they make the top four, I think there's going to be dual questions of which one or how many of the front three have ambitions to return to the Champions League elsewhere, maybe through Spain. And then how much sway does Klopp have to rebuild the club from outside the Champions League? So how good are Real Madrid, John? Because... They're going pretty well in the league. They beat Barcelona at the weekend. You hear Zidane say that they're out of puff and they've got these injuries and they're hanging on for dear life. They're in the Champions League semi-final again. 
Yeah, they're, they're class. And I think it's because of their experience. And, and, and you know, I spoke about Modric and Cruz, also Benzema. Um, and they have got a lot of injuries. They should start to get players coming back very soon. And once those players do come back, then I think that you can't write them off. Everyone questions Zidane. And, and, you know, at the beginning of the season, was Zidane last the season? But, you know, he's going to get the sack. And and what's going to happen to Zidane? He just stayed cool, calm. He knew what he had to do. And tactically, I thought he got a spot on over these two legs. I think they are the real deal. Oh, <laughs> hang on, just let me write a note. We can cut that out. <laughs> How many times That's has that his been big done? Word for the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, three of their first choice back four not playing in yeah. this one, so they are a little bit bit part. But you mentioned it before, Nacho and Ede Militao. Jeez, their value will go up if uh, if they continue to be maybe the bench warmers moving forward. But Real Madrid will move on to play Chelsea in the semi final. Rightio, then give us an answer. Which means it's prediction time from our panel. Who gets through a semi-final between Chelsea and Real Madrid? Bridgie, we'll start with you. Real Madrid. Dave? Well, I have to say Chelsea. Why? I'm not going to come in and support Madrid. What was that? That was nervous. You you can, though, because we were talking about this this morning, actually, that if your team, if you're worried about your team going through, you put a bet on the opposition or you predict the opposition, so you've kind of got to foot in both counts. Please gamble responsibly. You you still think Chelsea? Yeah, I I actually do, but it's too close to call. But why do you think Chelsea? I think it's going to be so tight tactically. I don't think there's that much in it. So, okay, you're going to talk me out of it because I think if there's one genuine match winner on the field, it'll probably be Benzema. But the margins are so tight. Like, I can't see more than a goal here or a goal there in this tie. It's a kind of tie you can see the first leg being nil all. See, I I actually think, and I'll I'll give my one-word answer in a second, but I actually think that that midfield of Real Madrid, you can't go past them. They, They are... That's, they've got such quality and experience in those big games. Who would you take, Casemiro or Kante? Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. I, I would have to say Kante because he can play a number of positions in that midfield. But Casemiro, as that lone six, he stops so much play. Rightio, then give us an answer. Real Madrid. Uh, <laughs> there you go. I'm going to say Chelsea. Oh, to split the panel. I agree with you, Dave. I think it'll be really tactical. It'll be tight. Probably a little bit different to the other semi-final where Manchester City will take on PSG. Two clubs that haven't won this competition and Man City through to the final four for the first time since 2016. First time under Pep Guardiola. This tie was awesome, Dave, because Borussia Dortmund went ahead in the second leg for more than half an hour. They were going through to the semi-finals. It took a bit of a fight back really from Man City to get through and weren't they pumped when they did it yeah they, look, this was a great tie and yeah, the, the storyline of Jude Bellingham putting Dortmund ahead it was such an impressive start because City had all the ball and Dortmund just picked their moments perfectly they were well set and you thought no this isn't going to happen again this isn't going to be you know Pep Guardiola going out in the quarterfinals but alas they had the temperament and they had the character to come back from behind, show that they not only can steamroll teams, they can also find a, a, a result when adversity is there and they're up against it. And we now have the most, we have Pep Guardiola against Mauricio Pochettino in the Champions League again. 
and we have the two clubs who want this more than anything else on the planet. Well, that's a great shout because remember when they last played off in the Champions League, that Tottenham and Man City game, what was that, the quarters or the round of 16, whatever it was. It was the quarters. Quarters. In that season, arguably the greatest Champions League season of all time, we forget about that tie, don't we, Bridgie? What a matchup that's going to be. Which, who are we on about here? Sorry, Rich, you've caught me off guard. Pochettino the, and... The two uh, teams oh, we've been talking about yeah, for the last yeah, two minutes. <laughs> it's going to be absolutely incredible. Do you know what it is? It's orgasmic football all round. There you go. I, I wish this was the final. No wonder you were distracted. <laughs> I, I, my mind was elsewhere. I wish this was the final. Honestly, I love Chelsea. I love Real Madrid, the way they play. It's not as proactive as I want to watch these two PSG and Man City. Just bring it on. Love it. Yeah, I look... I, Man City under Guardiola have been a force since he's been there. And uh, this season, they're just finding a way, even when they're not playing so well. Because this morning, the first 15 minutes, you, you have to say that Dortmund were on top. They deserved the goal. They deserved to go on front. And they found a way of coming back and winning that game. They, they, yeah, it, it showed resolve. And they scored goals. Look, The handball actually helped them. Because it gave him that lift and that confidence. Because I don't think they were able to break down Dortmund. Because at the moment with Man City, it seems like they, they'll have a lot of possession. But sometimes they just struggle to find that killer punch in front of goal. But that penalty helped them this morning. Yeah, for those that haven't seen it, Jude Bellingham put up Borussia Dortmund in the first half. They were 1-0 up at the break. A bit of nerves, you would think, given City's recent history in the competition. Then Emre Chan was a judge to have handballed it. He went to head it away, went from his forward straight to his shoulder and it was a judge to be a penalty the man who gave the ball away for the first goal in the first leg had a penalty against him in the first leg overturn then gave another one away you talk about the youngsters of Bellingham and Nauf and Sancho and everyone else in that squad for Dortmund it was one of their more experienced guys that pretty much imploded on the big stage and ultimately Phil Foden with a cracking finish As an Englishman, Bridgie, I mean, obviously Bellingham was on the losing side here, but Foden, who scored the winner in both games on the winning team, you saw his celebration with Pep Guardiola. You guys have got way more midfielders than you need. We'd love to take maybe even one or two of them. (laughs) Do you know what it is? It's absolutely scary, but it is so exciting at the same time to think in the quarterfinals of the Champions League, the amount of talent from so many nations on display, and Bellingham was the standout, an Englishman at the age of 17, a teenager, that his interview after the game was sensational, the way he spoke about the tactics and the pressing, just beyond his wisdom, shows what Dortmund are doing behind the scene, educating the players, and then Phil Foden. I just love this kid, great player, and I think the celebration with Pep Guardiola, where they embraced each other, was Phil Foden saying, thank you so much for the opportunity you have given me, you've put faith in me, and Pep Guardiola, obviously, because he's got the semi-finals once again, because of this young man. So I'm so excited, bring on the Euros as well, England are going to fly, who's going to go, I don't know. It's an interesting selection for Southgate, I loved uh, Dortmund, what you said about the interview, Dortmund's tweet after the game was just Jude Bellingham is 17 and that's it he scored his first Bundesliga goal on the weekend scored his first Champions League goal he, he is half you would think he's got a ticket to the Euros and just to make you even more excited so in the Champions League quarterfinals three of the goal scorers three English midfielders all under the age of 23 if you throw Mason Mount in there as well and it's also fascinating how you have different parts we're speaking about well, how did Bellingham end up in Germany Of course, Birmingham retired his number 22 jersey after just, I think, 40-odd games. But it shows you what they saw in him then. And you compare that to Foden. They both went out on the big stage today. Everyone said, where's Foden? Where's Foden? Where's Foden? He 
Guardiola nurtured him, held him back, and he he is now. So yeah, a bit for you to look forward to. I think. What I love about Bellingham, he can he's the complete midfielder. He can play in a defensive role and do a job. He can play in that attacking position and do a job. He, I, I just he is an all round midfielder. John, can you please explain to the listeners what you told me today? Because I was fascinated by the number twenty two shirt of Bellingham. So when he was younger and in the academy, I think it was at Birmingham, he um, he, he wasn't too happy about playing in a defensive midfielder role and uh, the coach that he had back then wanted to give him a little bit of uh, confidence and a bit of a G-up. He said, I'm going to give you the number 22. And, and uh, Bellingham's like, why? And he said, because I think that you can only not only play one position midfield, you can play all the positions. So in England, the number four is that defensive midfielder role. Then you can play as a number eight, that's that box to box or you can play as a number 10 that's that more attacking and adds up to 22 and 22 is going to be your number and you're going to make it well known and it's going to be a famous number around the world so for those listening that obviously can't see us when john was telling that story bridgie was using his hands his fingers and also had his shoes off was trying to count just how many numbers they were it's 22 bridgie stop that 20 i had to borrow dev's right hand there to get the other two yeah and just to conclude just how impressive phil Foden's performance was there's only one man that's done it before him in the quarterfinals in both leagues before the age of 21, and that's Kylian Mbappe. So he's in great company. And just to add fuel to the fire on the Bellingham case, he scored earlier than Messi and Ronaldo both have in this competition. Is so this the first time uh, after a Champions League game or week that we're not mentioning Haaland? Well, I was just about to say it's seven games for him now without a goal. It's a he's, huge shout. he's not worth. He's only worth <laughs> fifty million now. Do you know what? He's he's walked off. We wonder what he's talking to Foden about. And he's like, okay, I did the job for you there. You can get me a bit cheaper now. That's fine. <laughs> but by the way, we we talk about all the ass strings to City's bow. They did keep him off the score sheet in both legs. So Harlan said to Foden at the conclusion of today's game, "Did you get me Stuart Dallas's jersey at the weekend?" <laughs> That's what he said. Apparently. <laughs> Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Right, EO, then give us an answer. It is prediction time for the other semi-final. What a, what a matchup this is, John. PSG, Man City. Who do you like? Pochettino. As a man or a manager? Or? <laughs> I think it just looks cool. No, uh, PSG. Okay, Dave. PSG. Wow. I'd love to go with the English club in Manchester City. I went for Dortmund. I was hoping Dortmund could do it. I'm going to go for PSG because of two reasons. Pochettino is one, and I love the way they play. Kylian Mbappe, just beautiful. Isn't it funny how quickly things can turn? Even a week ago, you know, PSG, the jury was out a little bit, and Man City fighting on all fronts, flying on all fronts. They lose to Leeds. They get over the line just against Borussia Dortmund, and everyone's off them. I'll go City just to be different. Well, and I had Tip City to win the Champions League, so I, I don't know. There's just something about that Neymar and Mbappe momentum at the moment compared to what I saw today that just made me switch a little bit, so I can't wait. 
But isn't it funny? A week ago, we were hearing stories that Neymar wants to go back to Barcelona and, and Neymar wants to join up with Messi again. And then after his performance yesterday, he's saying, I love it at PSG. I want to stay. <laughs> Football's, it's a, long, a, fo- a week in football is a long time. Such a long time. Absolutely. Let's move on to the Europa League on Friday morning Australian time. We've got four tyres to look forward to in the second leg of the quarterfinals. Manchester United are 2-0 up, Bridgie, against Granada. They're back home. They've got some injury concerns and some suspensions to worry about as well. But from this position, they have to just get the job done. There's no excuse here. They will get the job done. Um, I believe that the players that will be coming in, the changes that he will make, because he'll have to, they'll be forced for Oli. Yeah, 2-0 up, sitting pretty. This one's done and dusted. And I think Manchester United are the team to beat along with Roma in this comp. Yeah, Roma 2-1 up uh, at the moment over Ajax. Love those two clubs being at this stage of any European competition, Dave. Two uh, old-school sort of teams looking to get through to a semi-final for the first time in a little while. Of course, Ajax were there in the Champions League two years back. Who do you like? Yeah, I think Roma will get the job done. They've got a fair bit to play for themselves because it's not a, it's a really competitive top four race in Italy at the moment, but that was a big result for them in the first leg. And uh, flying the flag for Italian football because the Italians, are the Germans now as well, not really represented at this deep end of the uh, European season. He sense there's probably a bit of a shake-up to come in Italian football when it comes to European competition over the next few years. Roma back at home with that advantage. Elsewhere, Slavia Prague at home, Johnny, to Arsenal, who again threw away a winning position. It's 1-1 going back to the Czech Republic. Do you fear for the Gunners here? Because if they get through, they'll have to be very good to do so. Yeah, I do fear for them a little bit. They That was one that got away from them. They were 1-0 up and then they concede right at the end. And they had their opportunities to go 2-0 up. And uh, I think that uh, we all know Slavia Prague, how much quality they've got and how strong they are. Um, but uh, you know what? Uh, Lacazette's in, in good form. I think they can still do it. I've got really fond memories of playing against Slavia Prague for Leeds. We got the job done in Europe, but even more so, I actually had my stag or bachelor party in Prague. What a city. (laughs) Once the restrictions are lifted, please, everybody, go and experience Prague. Am I right in saying you scored in Prague? Yes, you're correct. Which trip are we talking about? Uh, (laughs) Both. (laughs) Come on, Michael. You did score in the Champions League, though, didn't you? We had a game of football down by the, um, in the central square. All the lads played a... The lads are went away with. We had a game of football against some of the locals. It was magnificent. Excellent. Well, the other quarterfinal sees Villarreal 1-0 up over Dinamo Zagreb. As a Spurs fan, having seen Dinamo bundle out, if you like, Spurs in the last round, you'd be desperate to see them continue that form, to say, no, hey, we lost to a really good team. No, I want them to get smashed for what they did. The comeback was absolutely tremendous. Um, and, it, yeah, I mean, Tottenham have done that on numerous occasions this season. When they've been ahead, they've gone on to lose games. I want them to get smashed, Rich. I've got to be honest, yeah. I want to see Villarreal play Arsenal. Absolutely. Emery yeah. against his old club. That yeah. would be nice. Do you think, and I, I don't mean to, to drag it out but or get hysterical, but Ateta said that he absolutely needs to, to win to vindicate what he sees as whatever progress he's making at Arsenal. But if he doesn't, are they asking serious questions about whether he stays on ninth out of both cups out of Europe at this point? Definitely. At the end of the season, you have to see the progression. You have to see whether there's been any improvement from last year. And because now he's had enough time. Like at the end of last season, because he won the FA Cup, they, they, they gave him that little bit more time. He's had time now. So at the end of the season, if he ends up where they are at the moment and they go out at this time in the Europa League, Questions will be asked. Does getting to the final 
mean anything or are you saying they've got to win it otherwise nah, he's get gone. into the final get the final yeah. something all right well there's premier league this weekend on a weekend where there's also fa cup which we'll get to in a moment but in the premier league it starts early saturday morning everton at home to spurs last time these sides met at goodison park it was in the cup phenomenal 5-4 in favor of the toffees but john They've had no energy since. It's almost like that result was what sort of sucked the life out of a team that sort of struggled for consistency. They've had injuries. What are you predicting here when Spurs come to town? Yeah, they haven't won in four. What a, what a big change from the, the, that Everton side. First game of the season against Spurs when they dominated them. Then the FA Cup game. Um, it, it just looks like that, to, you know, Ancelotti's had to reshuffle his side quite a bit because all the injuries that he's had and, and whatever else. But they just seem like they've got no life, no energy about them they, they need to pick that up pretty quickly if they do want to make Europa League and uh, at the moment they they need the Hummers to start firing apart from the Hummers bit that answer could have applied to both of these teams I, just, I didn't know who he was talking about well yeah but the thing about Tottenham is that, that Tottenham even when they haven't played well you have to say, other than the last two results, they actually got some positive results and uh, and they were getting wins. Whereas uh, Everton haven't won in four, so they, uh, and and they look like they're not a, a side with playing with too much confidence. Let's be honest, they both look toilet of late. Bread is bread and cheese and cheese. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yep, that's the best analysis you'll get pre this game. But you never know. Maybe it should be an absolute cracker because the last one was at Goodison. Saturday night, the Magpies absolutely flying. They beat Burnley, which isn't that easy to do, Bridgie. And they're at home to West Ham, who are, for me, the story of the season. And it feels a little bit like when Leicester won the league because just when you think, oh, they'll run out of puff, they can't keep doing it, they get bigger, they get more confident, they get stronger and they win and win and win. This game, with the Magpies being safe now, you would think six points from safety is all about whether West Ham can keep up the momentum. And West Ham can keep up that momentum. I'm, you know, I'm loving the way Jesse Lingard has come and embraced it, Declan Rice in that midfield. The players that are playing with a freedom now, remember when Moyes first took over, he had to have the defensive mindset. When you do that attacking players, you, you don't want to do that. You want to you be on the forefront and, and go forward and show your attacking prowess. And that's what he's given them licence to do. And I just loved watching them. I feel for Newcastle United, they are safe. I feel they'll take their finger off the pulse. And I think we are going to see a, a big result here. And I've got West Ham finishing top four, by the way. Well, Leicester might be the team that actually drop out when you consider their form at the moment and just and how many teams. they're running at the end as well. Have you seen the last three games? Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, Whereas tough. West Ham's is... Really Easy. decent. Easy out there. Yeah. Yep. yep. Well, after that, Wolves are at home to Sheffield United. Less said about that game, probably the better. Arsenal at home to Fulham. That comes your way late Sunday, or actually pretty good time, really, on Sunday evening with the clocks changing. Arsenal hammered Fulham earlier in the season, didn't they? And you thought, oh, the Gunners, they've arrived. They're, they look good. Willian looked good. How much football can change, as we spoke about earlier, Dave? But you would suspect... A lot of what we see from Arsenal will depend on what we get in the Europa League, but Fulham, they're done. I heard a great line about Fulham a couple of weeks ago. It was like, well, you don't stay up because everyone says, you know, they're just about to turn the corner and get some good results and they're improving. They play better football than Newcastle and they've got more momentum and there's a good vibe there. That doesn't keep up in the Premier League. You actually have to go out and convert. I feel Scott Parker's been really impressive in the post-match press conferences with what he said and his language. He's trying everything he can to keep this flame alive, but I'm not sure it is. I think you could tell by the players' body language after the Wolves' defeat. They, that Ooh, was that the was moment they knew. And I, when I saw them in tears, I've been in that situation before on tw- two occasions getting relegated from the Premier League. That is a big moment. You you know it was almost like they threw the towel in because yep. that, that was the one that hurt. 
on Monday morning, Manchester United at home to Burnley. If there was ever a nil-one scoreline prediction here, Chris Wood on the score sheet for Burnley. This might just about be it. Watch me be absolutely wrong on that one. On Tuesday morning, Johnny, it's a big one. It's Leeds at home to Liverpool. One of, if not the game of the season, came in the first round between these two sides. Do we get a repeat of that this time? I don't think it will be a 4-3 game. Uh, two reasons. Uh, Liverpool haven't got that many goals in them uh, at the moment because they're not playing with that much... Uh, well, in front of goal, they haven't got that confidence. And Leeds are much better defensively. I, I think that uh, Llorente has been a big plus for them. And uh, I just love the way that they actually are defending at the moment, Leeds. And we all know their power going forward and how they can outrun a team. But it's going to be an exciting game anyway. I'm giving a question to the Leeds United man himself, Mr. Bayless. When was the last time Leeds United won this fixture at home? And who scored a hat-trick? Uh, who scored four, you mean? Sorry, the four, <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> well, that was the famous 4-3, wasn't it? Mark Viduka. I believe you were in the stands watching your career disappear at that point. I was actually on the bench watching after he got his hat-trick. I walked in the dressing room and I said I would never play for the club ever again. I cried, so I did miss his fourth goal. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was 4-3. The last meeting was 4-3. If we get something even half as entertaining, that would be great. Chelsea Brighton's on Wednesday morning, but also over the weekend, Chelsea in action in the FA Cup semi-final against Manchester City before Leicester take on Southampton. Quick word, gents, on Chelsea and Man City. Which way does it go? Oh, that's a tough one. Is that a Champions League final preview? We, 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 can't yeah. even, we can't even sit on the fence on this one. Because <laughs> <laughs> there has to be something. a result. <laughs> I would still think Man City will get through. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think they might. But it'd be interesting to see Tuchel's style in this game too because it is a cup, so just go for it maybe. No, 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 no. He'll no. he'll play he'll play tight. Tuchel, I think that um, he makes sure that they're hard to beat, and then finds that quality going forward. And you don't need to go all out and and try and win the yeah. game. You you just have to make sure that it's close. The selections will be interesting. Manchester City. <laughs> yeah, no hesitation. In the other one, by the way, if Leicester don't beat Southampton, surely they implode because Southampton have been toilet lately. I'm really disappointed with what happened with Leicester off the field. Like, I actually genuinely didn't think this was going to be the cliche that happened last year. Look out, they're going to slide again. Um, but they've done it to themselves off the park. And I don't think they can recover from here. I think West Ham, everything... My only concern for West Ham is Rice and Antonio injuries, I think. So I hope that they Off the can park, you mean parties? Yeah. So with the, with the parties with Leicester, where three players were stood down for going to a COVID, um, going to a party, a house party, breaching COVID rules. It just, a uh, real lack of respect and discipline at this point of the year. But falling away in the league would be one thing, not beating Southampton in a semi-final. And it's only over 90 minutes, so it's possible they could lose it, obviously. But this mm. is arguably a greater opportunity for them in the FA Cup True. than it is in the league. So, and more, so more the point that I was trying to make there is if they do lose this game, they will 100% not make the top four. I don't. I think Southampton will win this game. I've been oh. disappointed in Vardy of late. Hasn't been able to get on the score sheet. Iheanacho's been the man. That is that because of his playing with Iheanacho? He's used to actually playing that lone striker and having Madison behind him. Now he's not really the main yeah. player up top. I, he, I think he's feeling the feeling the pinch, John. There's yeah. not. Yeah, and Iheanacho's a man that has capitalised on that. A new contract, more goals to come, and Vardy's just shown, you know, the signs that he's not playing his part as he normally does. On Friday night, we've got some J-League action coming your way. Consadali Sapporo at home to Ange 
Postacoglu's Yokohama F. Marinos, who sit in eighth at the moment. They've only lost one game, but they're just drawing a lot. But the good thing about this one, it's on at prime time on Friday night, and the J-League is always great to watch. We better wrap it up for the day, I reckon, gents. It's been a, a big few days in the Champions League. Still more to come over the next few with the Europa and the Premier League. J-League, FAWSL is back next week as well, live on Optus Sport. Gents, thanks for your time. Bridgie, have a good weekend. Thank you very much, Rich. Um, thank you to the listeners. It's been an absolute great couple of days watching Champions League and the football doesn't stop for me. I'm off to watch my daughter and her trials down at Valentine Park, Lees, and a day of football watching my daughter, nothing better. Oh, well, good luck to Sadie. Hope she goes well. John, uh, you'll be back for the weekend? Not this weekend. I'll be back next weekend, I think. Don't know. Ah, it's too far away. We'll call, John, we'll call you. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. And Dave, always a pleasure, mate. Uh, good luck to the Blues fighting on a few fronts. Thank you. And thanks for everyone for just a great couple of days. It's been great fun. Indeed. Thank you all out there for your company. As always, it's a pleasure to have you on board with us between now and the next Gagan Pod. Enjoy your football. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium.